welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. Today starts our second series ever on the podcast. So our last one was on the attributes of God. We just wrapped that one up. And now we are jumping in to the Ten Commandments. And so joining us to introduce this whole series is Phil Allen, pastor of the Daystar Christian Fellowship in South Beloit, Illinois. So, Phil, welcome back. Thanks, Kevin. It's always great to be here. I appreciate you inviting me to, to start off the series. Yeah, and like, you know, whenever we can't get a good guest, you're always available. So well, I have very little else to do. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm always, always in the wings waiting. Whenever I listen to you preach on Sunday morning, I really realize, like, he's got a lot of time on his hands. <laughs> That's right. Or, or maybe he doesn't have enough time. I don't know. Anyway, so um, we're talking about the Ten Commandments, and... Uh, so let me just jump right in and, and say, when you think about the Ten Commandments, sometimes we think, when I think about Ten Commandments, my first memory goes back to the 90s, I think it was the 90s, in, uh, oh man, where is it, somewhere down south. Oh, yeah, um, I know where you're headed. I, you know, the, the huge, oh, Alabama, of course, it, yes. it's, it's Roy Moore, uh, now discredited, greatly discredited, right. uh, former state Supreme Court Justice uh, Roy Moore put a huge monument to the Ten Commandments there at the courthouse and refused to. It was a whole big to do. Right. But that was the, my, my first. I never remember. I vaguely remember memorizing them mm-hmm. in Sunday school. Uh, but when we talk about the Ten Commandments today, is this something worth talking about? Because we're talking about the Old Testament and we're talking about things that. Uh, I mean, we're under grace and we're under. Anyway, right? Yeah, is it, is it still worth talking about? Well, right? it for sure, is worth talking about. I I think that you know, uh, to be honest with you, going back to the whole Alabama thing and and uh, t- out of taking him out of courtrooms, yeah. taking him out of schoolrooms. Um, truthfully, I have a whole lot less problem with that than I think some people do. Right. I'm not sure we were accomplishing a whole lot by having them posted all over the place. Um, but uh, they're absolutely worth worth going back to, I think, for a variety of reasons. And, and I think one of the just most fundamental things we want to say is they're in God's Word. Yeah. You know, and that, that's something that I think we've got to struggle with because the genealogies are also in God's right. Word, you know, which means there's some value there. Yeah. Now, it may well raise the question of what the value is for us, and that, and that may, is, is a very legitimate question for us to ask. But the Ten Commandments, of course... You know, I think uh, reveal a variety of things to us. They 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 reveal the the purity of God, the yeah. holiness of God. They they reveal the standard that that God has to demand, not just that He does demand, but that right. He has to demand in moral perfection. And so I yeah, the the Ten Commandments play a vital role um, in terms of understanding God, understanding life, understanding ourselves. And are are important for us not just to throw to the side, even though the culture does. Yeah. What, however, we feel about that. And we'll talk about this later. But even though we don't believe this is a way of salvation, that doesn't lessen or cheapen their importance. No, not in the least. You know, maybe it enhances it. Again, right. Again, we'll yeah. get there, but maybe it enhances it. You know, uh, when we talk about the importance of the Ten Commandments, I think we need to back up. We talked about Ten Commandments. We're talking about Exodus chapter twenty. Yes. But if we back up to Exodus 19, mm-hmm. we see 
God considers it important. He told the people, you need to cleanse yourselves. You need to stop fast and pray. You're going to see the, the lightning and you're going to hear the thunder on, on, on Mount Sinai. You're going to be told, don't go near this mountain. Well, God himself is coming down here. God himself is going to write this. Now, despite what some people think, you know, we don't have a whole lot of God writing anything. <laughs> right. uh, the Bible wasn't written, handwritten by God, but these Ten Commandments were. Yeah. And so that's the, the, the whole preface to the Ten Commandments shows us that God deemed whatever's going to be said here, this is important. Yeah. This isn't going to just be washed away because they're old or washed away because uh, times have changed. But God is setting a very important standard here that we would be well uh, worth our time to study and to, to consider. Yeah, and he draws our attention to that that historical incident of right away. Right. I mean, even just the fact of the mountain and the fact of the of the appearance yeah. and, and the you know the thunder and the lightning and the clouds and you know the whole thing is designed in, in one sense, to reveal God, to reveal the power, reveal something of him. But in another sense, I think it's designed to gather our attention to it. Yeah. You know, even as he leads them through pillar of cloud, pillar of fire, didn't look like this. Right. And so there's something really unique and important right. happening at this moment that he gives the Ten Commandments, and he's clearly emphasizing. Yeah. And some scholars look at this and say, this is a classic setup to an Old Testament covenant. Mm -hmm. This is something I yeah. want my people to know. This is a deal yeah. that we're entering into, and you need to take this seriously. So uh, let's talk a little bit about just kind of intro stuff. We're talking about the Ten Commandments, or the Decalogue, mm -hmm. uh, Ten Words. Mm -hmm. But that's how they're often referred to back in Scripture, not as commandments, but as words. That I think too many people made a big deal about that, but yeah. that's another thing. Uh, we have uh, two... what. Some scholars call it two tables of the law. Mm -hmm. The first four being our responsibility toward God, mm -hmm. and then the last six being um, our responsibilities toward each other. Not that they were actually divided up that way right. in the two tablets. I was reading some, and, and some were suggesting that the two tablets that Moses walks down with are actually just carbon copies of each other. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I always just assumed it was five and five because that's how you split stuff. Yeah, I, I, I know, and it's interesting because I've heard that too about maybe it was all ten yeah. on both. Um, and, and in one sense, the, the division is something we observe, um, you know, in them, I'm, like you said, I'm not sure it's inherent that yeah. they're divided that way. Right. Um, but it's interesting how, how they're, <laughs> this is a side thought, but it's always come back to me how they're inherently relational. Yeah, they're the relationship with God yep. and the relationship yep. with each other, you know. And and uh, I think that that even within the law, even within the Ten Commandments, this notion of this underlying relationship, the the boundaries, the guidelines of that relationship right. is central. So we have in the Old Testament over six hundred different commands we call the law of God, and many would believe this. These ten are the basic summary of mm -hmm. those, and then. God himself, Jesus, breaks that down to two. Basically, love God with all your heart, soul, right. mind, and, and love your neighbor as yourself. And again, it kind of seems like that, that division of relationship with God, relationship with others. Mm -hmm. um, I, I like what uh, J.I. Packer said in his uh, little book on this. He said, the rest of the Bible could be called God's repair manual. <laughs> 
since it spells out the gospel of grace that restores sin-damaged human nature. And I think that's what the essence of the law is all about, is, okay, it tells us, as you said, it, it describes for us who God is. We learn about God through this. We learn what God wants from us, but I think more importantly, we learn a lot about ourselves yes. through this. Yes. And that we see the purpose of the law is not to gain uh, favor with God, but it's to help us to see just how much the fall has affected me, just how fallen and depraved and sinful I am, because these are just bright, shining lights of you're not doing this. Yeah, I know. I know. I came across one author that referred to the Ten Commandments as a mirror. Hmm. You know, you look in the mirror and you see yourself, and and especially if you take the the Bible as as um, I think you have Pink's quote yeah. on there, where the rest of the Bible's commentary. Yep. On the Ten Commandments, you know, and even more specifically, if we were to go to like Matthew five through seven, and the the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus sort of specifically comments on them, you know, I think one of the one of the things we can do with the Ten Commandments is take the one on adultery, for example. Yeah, and say, well, I haven't committed adultery, so check. Right. You know, I because I haven't done the act. Yeah. Um, and Jesus, of course, we know makes that about just that lustful glance. Yeah. And what he does, you know, is in effect says it's not just the external action that's wrong, but it's it's the internal corruption right. that's the problem. And the internal corruption in the glance is exactly the same as yeah. the internal corruption in the act. And it and, and in effect the whole of the law points out that fallenness, that internal corruption. Now, I want to see if you agree with me on that. Because we're talking about Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew right. 5, uh, where he takes many of the Ten Commandments and says, okay, kind of clarifies them, mm -hmm. saying, okay, uh, you've heard it said right. that, you know, uh, you shouldn't kill. But I'm telling you, you shouldn't even get angry. Mm -hmm. You've heard it said, do not, do not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who looks at a woman with lust in her eyes uh, has already committed adultery. Um, for example, adultery. I, I would consider adultery of the heart to be a separate sin from actual physical adultery. Though they're both wrong, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't say I've committed adultery per se by looking at somebody with lust. Yeah. Oh, yes. I yeah. see. Yes, I agree. With okay. You. Yes, because I think, I think we have to, you know, on the one hand, we have to say, okay, so Jesus does seem to equate the internal corruption. Yeah. And I think we've got to be honest about that because... That really shows me I haven't actually committed adultery. Yeah. But I can't say I've never looked lustfully at right. anyone. And so it shows me I'm I'm really have a problem. Yeah. And it's a profound problem. Right. But at the same time we have to have the integrity to say, but adultery means something though. Yes. That physical right act that that word designates is a thing. And right. we can't just make that nothing. Right. By saying the underlying problem is the same. Yeah. The fact that the underlying problem is the same doesn't change the fact that that act exists right. and is, is its own thing. So, I mean, so two things going on. So, one, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to give myself too much credit by saying, you know what, I have never committed adultery <laughs> on my wife. Right. I have never uh, cheated on her. I've never done that. Because I can't say I've never looked at someone with lust. Right. And so there's no reason why I couldn't go out and commit adultery. There's no, 
the same heart that the adulterer has, that the physical adulterer has, is the same one I have. It, it's corrupt. But on the other hand, I don't want to say, well, I've already looked at someone with lust, so I might as well. Right, because uh, you know. it could almost become a permission. Right. You know, well, if I am that screwed up, then actually doing it doesn't make it any worse. Right. So, but that's but, but that's not the it case. It does make worse. it worse. Yeah. But acting on those, acting on those impulses, whether it's adultery or it's anger or whatever yeah. it is, acting on that impulse is worse. Right. It it does take that next step because that's that conscious decision that I make to pursue my fallenness. Right. I am fallen. The law points that out. I can't deny yeah. that. I should be battling it. And when we don't battle it and we just give in, that's sort of a whole other layer right. of disobedience yeah. that we've added on. Right. All right, so we turn to scriptures, and we're, we, uh, we'll be looking at Exodus 20. And I'm not going to be reading all of that today, because we're going to be reading through that throughout the next 10 weeks as we go through each of these commandments. And uh, I should mention, back up a little bit and say, when we go through these commandments, we're going to be following a typical Protestant mm. numbering of this, because sure. there are, if you come from a Lutheran tradition or a Catholic tradition, there are different ways of numbering these commandments because yeah. they're, they're not numbered in Exodus 20. Right. God doesn't say, all right, number one, this, number two, this. And, and even the verses aren't, right. aren't verse numbered. Yeah. So where you group those verses, because some of the commandments cover multiple verses, right. of course, where you group those verses isn't as obvious right. as we want to make it. In fact, I think sometimes the, the, the Lutheran Catholic tradition makes more sense mm -hmm. when you start getting into the last couple concerning uh, coveting. Yes. And even the first couple dealing with uh, who God is. Yep. It almost kind of makes more sense. But we're sticking with the Protestant view because that's the way I learned it in Sunday Absolutely. school class. And you need a framework. Yes. So, um, and because I'm not Catholic or Lutheran. There you go. And that's the, that's the important thing. All right. So uh, then we can look at Deuteronomy 5, where mm -hmm. Moses repeats that. Deuteronomy itself is kind of a review. This is Moses' last big hurrah. I believe it's, he gives, what, eight different speeches there in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy itself means second law. Yeah. So it's a review. And so he's going over the things that they've learned. So we can look at that as well. And again, uh, it's not numbered and it's not grouped exactly the same way. Um, and then Mark 5, we've already covered a little bit. Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount kind of goes into that. But Matthew 5. But Matthew 5, what did I say? Mark. Mark, well, Mark you know, 5 is great too, but it's... Mark 5 is great. Um, <laughs> not that I exactly remember what Mark 5 says now either. Um, but I do want to look at Galatians chapter 3. Um, and verse 15, talking about the law itself. <laughs> to give a human example, brothers, and... The whole book of Galatians kind of deals with this issue of law and grace. Mm -hmm. um, to give it a, a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now, the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to the offsprings. I don't know if this is, I don't think this is the passage I was looking for. Um, but I'm going to continue on. Uh, this is what I mean. It's not at all what I mean, but I'm going to yeah. read it anyway. Uh, I'm just going to twist it to whatever I want anyway. 
uh, which came 434 years. Uh, this is what I mean, the law, which came 430 years afterward, after the time of Abraham, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For the inheritance comes by the law. It is no longer comes by promise, but God gave to Abraham by a promise. What then the law? It was added because of transgression. Actually, this is where I wanted to start. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise has been made. And it was put in place through angels by the intermediary. Now, an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if, it, for if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now, therefore, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. So, talking about the law, the law was our guardian. It served a purpose, mm -hmm. but that purpose wasn't to bring us to salvation or bring us into the gates of heaven. It couldn't. Right. It wasn't meant for that purpose. But it was meant uh, to lead us to faith. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, like I talk to my students all the time, the purpose of this school, this school can't teach you everything. School is not supposed to teach you everything. And by the way, you people on Facebook and social media who keep giving lists of things I never learned in school, get over it. <laughs> okay? Uh, you have a brain, and our purpose is to mold and to shape that. But it's, it's almost like the, 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 the little uh, safety wheels on a bike. Mm -hmm. The purpose is to have that the whole time. We want to take those away. Um, so the purpose of law is to lead us to Christ, to show us that we need a Savior. We can't do this right. on our own. Right. Um, I, I, I give the illustration that um, if I go home today and I follow all of the speed limits and all of the traffic rules... What happens when I get to my final destination? What happens when I get home? Nothing. Mm -hmm. Following the law doesn't accomplish anything. Right. If I don't do it, okay, then there's going to be problems. But, you know, I don't have a parade in my honor or a statue made <laughs> because I follow the rules. That's what I'm supposed to do. But the rules are there because we notice problems. Yeah. And so the law reveals that I've got a problem. Right. In our school... Um, I love to give the illustration about uh, our, our handbook. Our handbook is not very large, but it gets larger. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, And I can look at particular parts of the handbook and say, oh, I know the student that's named for. <laughs> you know? And I, I tell the students, all right, well, there's nothing in our rule book that says you can't eat dead rats at lunch. Now, we don't want you to eat dead rats at lunch, but it's not been a problem so far. If it is a problem, we're going to put it in there. Um, and so the law is, is not meant to save or to show how good we are. The law is just the opposite. It's, it's to show you've got a problem, and here it is. Yeah, and that, and that I think, is, is the heart of it. I, it, also, it also does tell us something fundamental about God. Yes. You know, it shows us that holiness, that righteousness, that perfection that's inherent in him, which is the reason our problem is a problem. You know, I think there's there, there, there are sort of a couple steps in that to me. 
especially today, I think, because yeah. because the notion that my fallenness is a problem, that's something we've got to come to terms with. I, I you know, I, the it's not just that I do things that are wrong. It's that I do things that are wrong and that that isolates me from this perfect God. Yeah. Um, and, and the law also helps us see that. It helps us see our failure and his perfection and to see those together as the, as, as the dichotomy that they yeah. are is really important. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, in Genesis 1, we're told we are made in the image of God. We are image bearers of God. What does that mean? To some degree, we are to look like God. But we don't. Mm-hmm. That that image has been shattered by the fall, and I think this help the law helps us to see. This is what you're missing. Yeah. This is who God is, mm-hmm. and it's who you are not. Right. So let's. I don't want to say close the gap, but this is why you need Christ, and that whole process of sanctification will begin, and eventually you're going to be that mirror image yes. of God. Yes. So uh, dangers to avoid. Uh, I think we've really hit on that idea that this is not a way of salvation, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean let's ignore all this. Yeah, you know, I think I think you can sway, and we've talked about this, but just put it in a different way. I think you can sway either of two directions, because I, I think on the one hand, I think you can make too little of them. Yeah. You can say, well, like we talked about, I don't commit adultery, so I'm okay. You're yeah. making too little of it. You're not seeing it for the reflection of either that it yeah. is. On the flip side of it, I think we, this may sound bad, but I think we can make too much of them. Yeah. Because we can say, as long as you obey, you're fine. Yeah. All you have to do is understand the law. If you understand the law and you then do the law, you're great. Yeah. And the problem is you can't. Yeah. And so I, we can make too much of them by seeing them as so this salvific thing. Yeah. I really... I hate to say this because I know that it always angers some followers of Christ. I understand why. But it's important to see they're also not cultural salvation. Yeah, yeah. You know, that if, if as long as we, if we could put them back up in the courtrooms, right. we'll be great. If we could if put we them, teach us in the public school. Yeah, back on awesome. the public school while everything's going to be yeah. fine. They're not that. You yeah. know, they're not going to do that. And I think it's important for us to understand that they're not a means of salvation individually. They're not a means of salvation right. culturally. Yeah. Remember when I was a principal at a small Christian school in Massachusetts, uh, I'd interview parents, and one of the first questions I'd ask them, well, you know, we're a Christian school, so we emphasize the issue of salvation. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? Number one answer I got was, well, I try to follow the Ten Commandments the best that I can. Right. And. Right. When most of us honestly can't yeah. even recite them anymore right. as adults, right. you know, we like you said, we memorized them somewhere back as children. Yeah. But to actually recite the ten of them now, right. you know, for a lot of us as adults would be a problem. Much yeah. less to say, I focus my day on following those. I don't. No. You know, and so that's why you need to put them back up. The, on exactly. The wall. So that I would remember. Yeah. Which I mean, I don't have a problem with it per se. Uh, but the question is, why am I putting them up there? And again, what do I really think to accomplish? Well, and I remember an interesting, and this is, this is you know, Kevin, you know me, and you know I'm, I'm a rebel, and that's something that yeah. I battle. And it, it's not a good part of me, it's part of me. And, and I remember 
that we had the Ten Commandments on the church, on the wall of the church where I grew up. Mm. We had the Ten yeah. Commandments on the wall leading into the sanctuary. It was a very formal church and, and you know, very stylized, very gothic. And, and you walk past these Ten Commandments, and I just remember this sense of forbidding yeah. that was in those those Ten Commandments, right. and they were on these plaques, and they just looked like this harsh, judgmental right. thing. And, and, and I'm not saying they are, and I'm not saying they should be, but I think it's when we emphasize that, and yeah. we say that's what following Christ is, it's those Ten Rules, we make it this, this thing that it isn't. Yeah. And 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 I think you're there's enslaving a, people. You're enslaving people, and I, and I think there's actually a danger to posting them all over yeah. the place, without context. Right. It's not that they're bad rules; they're great rules. They're perfect rules. Yes. But they're rules we can't keep. Well, that's what Paul says. It's not that the law was bad. He says yeah. in Romans, it's it's us. We're right. the problem. We're the problem. Yeah. Uh, obedience to the law, if we could do it, would save us. If yeah. we could. Oh, Obey perfectly. The problem isn't the law, it's us. And so posting them up doesn't change us. Yeah. And that, I think, is... It's almost that constant reminder, you're not good enough. Yeah. You're not doing... It's not a picture of grace. No, no, (laughs) it's not. Points to the need for it. Right. But you need that context. All right, so in terms of of application... um, I wrote down here Calvin's three rules mm-hmm. or three uses of law. First, that we talked about that it reveals the righteousness of God. It reveals who God is, what yeah. He expects, and it gives us. And this is it's important to remember that these just aren't like arbitrary things that God pulled out of a hat or something like. Yeah, let's just do this today or whatever. Right. It all of God's laws based on His righteous character. Absolutely. So it does yeah. teach us about who He is and His holiness. Yeah. It does restrain man from evil to some degree. Uh, we can use the law to say, okay, don't kill people. Mm-hmm. Okay, don't steal stuff. Mm-hmm. That's not wrong for us to, you know, I don't want my kids stealing things. Right. And, and I will tell them that. Um, and then right. third, it reveals what God is expecting to us. But I think even more important than all of those things, again, it, it, as, as Galatians 3 says, it should lead us to a greater appreciation of what Christ has done. He has yes. fulfilled all of this. What yes. I can't do, he did. Yeah. And I think that's the greatest, in my view, the greatest application we could take away from this as we walk through all of these ten different commandments is, I can't do this, but Jesus did. Yeah. Yeah. Let them let them be a mirror. Yeah. You know, and, and let the Holy Spirit use them to point yeah. out things that you should be working on. Because right. we should be working Absolutely. on things. Absolutely, yes. The fact that I struggle with certain things doesn't mean I should just give in to them. Yeah. Kind of what we're saying about adultery. But understanding that that even in that, any victory I have in that struggle is the Holy Spirit yeah. functioning in me. It's not because I understood the law. Right. It's not because I, through some kind of act of this dedication and devotion, decided I'm going to work on this. And so I overcame yeah. it. It's the Holy Spirit enabling me. Right. To grow toward him. Right. Uh, um, but then understanding that underneath all of that, man, it grace is the key. Yeah. Because I don't know. I, I have not grown far more than I have grown 
and I hate to say that, mm-hmm. but but in my years as a follower of Christ, the, the the further I go, the more I see that I'm falling. It's yeah. not that I look at it and go, man, look at all those things I've overcome. It's that I look at it and I think, my goodness, look at all those things I still yeah. struggle with, all yeah. those things I have not overcome. I think as you grow in your knowledge of God, you, you're, you're like Isaiah in Isaiah mm-hmm. 6 where you're seeing his holiness and it's like, as I grip, I get more of a grip on that and understanding of just yeah. how holy God is, I can't help but look at myself and say, wow, I'm worse than I thought. Right. Uh, now, I probably am getting better. Yes. And I, and I believe that, scripturally speaking, God is sanctifying us. He's yes. changing us into his image. Yeah. But we see sin for what it is yeah. and how much more serious it is than I considered it originally. Yeah. And so... Uh, it just again, it, ha- it, 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 it. I have to appreciate more what Christ did, and and depend upon His grace for everything. Yes. yes. Uh, one final thought. I, this was a quote from D. L. Moody, mm-hmm. and I, I thought this was an interesting. Just kind of preface this whole series. Uh, he says this. Now we face these ten commandments honestly and prayerfully. See if your life is right. And if you are treating God fairly, God's statutes are just, are they not? If they are right, let us see if we are right. Let us pray for the Holy Spirit to search each one of us. Let us get alone with God and read his law, read it carefully and prayerfully, and ask him to show us our sins and what he would have us to do. So I think it's a, it's a good preparation to say, all right, as we look at these, I do want to see how God can work in my life and what needs to change and maybe some attitudes or some perspectives I've had need to uh, get in line with where God is. So then, finally, uh, some resources for going a little deeper into this. Phil, do you have any books or any articles that that you would recommend on looking at this? You know, the one that came to mind, and I'd be curious to go back over this and see what I think of it today. Sure. But years ago, I think he wrote it in the 90s. There's the, the Dutch theologian um i can i don't have any idea how you pronounce his name it's d-o-u-m-a okay yeah duma, j duma wrote a book on the ten commandments called the ten commandments a manual for christian life yeah and what i really liked about it back then was it it made him very relevant it mm. it it really tried i think the scholarship was solid but it also really tried to move them into but what might that look like in our day, our culture, yeah. our structure? You know, I remember it talked about the 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 relationships within the family, um, and what it looks like to honor your mm. father and mother in this culture. Yeah. You know, and and I really appreciated that sort of practical application. Yeah. Of it. Now there are a lot of books I, I used in preparation for this. I don't want to mention all of them, but I want to kind of hit the highlights. The best book I've read so far uh, just came out just at the end of last year, uh, The Ten Commandments by Kevin DeYoung, which I've really uh, grew to appreciate as I read through that. Um, Keeping the Ten Commandments by J.I. Packer is a really really short little book. I downloaded it for free at some point. Mm -hmm. Uh, The fine folks at Crossway uh, made that a free download a while back. And then I just started reading literally yesterday. Uh, How Jesus Transforms the Ten Commandments by Edmund Clowney. Oh, I've heard of that. I haven't read that one. I I just started reading it. In fact, uh, I ordered it from Amazon, and it won't be here till tomorrow. 
after most of these interviews will be have been recorded. Uh, but I read the first chapter online. I, I was pretty fascinated by it. So the last couple of episodes, I'm sure I'll be using that book a lot more um, than uh, the first six or seven of these anyway. But uh, I'm looking forward to that. So those three books, I think, are, and there's a lot of other books I was using, but I think those are the three that are uh, I consider the best. Some of the other ones, older works like Thomas Watson, Moody, uh, A.W. Pink. Um, mm -hmm. Pink, I actually, I didn't really like too much on, uh, on the Ten Commandments. Um, I think he, he, he likes to get a little uh, off topic yeah. and expand mm -hmm. these probably more than ought to be. And Thomas Watson's just a hard read. Yes, always. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> but uh, those three by DeYoung and Packer and uh, Edmund Clowney, I think, are helpful. So uh, we're done with this. It's our introduction. We are introduced. And, uh, so join us back next week. We'll jump into the very first uh, with Pastor Alan Nelson, who uh, was on the podcast before talking about his book, From Death to Life. And he just sent me a free copy of it. Nice. Well, it's nice, but he should have sent me a copy a long time ago, like when we first did our interview. But anyway. But he's uh, nice enough to be on your podcast, so I Yes. Yes. So Not too critical. Anyway. All right. So join us back next week. Until then, don't forget to check out our website at www.basicbiblepodcast.org and check out the blog as we're going to be updating that now. Um, in fact, I'm working on the, the first article for that right now, so it should be up long before this podcast hits the... Uh... So anyway, uh, join us back next time. So until then, have a great rest of your week.